talking uh, just beforehand. This is my standard disclaimer. Um, Zach asked me why I didn't put like U2 in the title and all that. Hey, Shannon, I was hoping you'd come. Because um, uh, I'm a little embarrassed, truth be told. <laughs> you know, um, I get a little bit dorky when it comes to U2. Um, it's been 30 years since the Joshua Tree was released in 1987. Uh, maybe like some other people in the room looking around at ages, not y'all. Um, uh, it, this was this bomb, like David Fleming and I were talking this morning, he said it was just this cultural bomb that went off when I was in high school, and this was right when I was in high school, I graduated in 89, so sophomore year, the Joshua Tree came out. Here's the other songs that were out in 1986 and 7, that were sort of top songs on the radio, this is to kind of let us trip through our own wires a little bit. Uh, remember Say You, Say Me by Lionel Richie? I mean, just ten all this is to contrast what it was like when With or Without You came out. And, uh, and we're going to look at the video here in a little bit. This is definitely going to be an 80s class because um, it was released in the late 80s. Um, Say You, Say Me by Lionel Richie. Party All the Time by Eddie Murphy. Broken Wings and Kyrie by Mr. Mister. Addicted to Love. Kiss by Prince. That one had some staying power. Um, I'm Only Human by the Human League. Who's That Girl? Madonna. Venus. Bananarama. Walk Like an Egyptian. The Bangles. Here I Go Again by Whitesnake. Ah. <laughs> Um, what a video, right? <laughs> Notorious by Duran Duran and La Bamba by Los Lobos. And then all of a sudden, you two, um, who'd been around, you know, they were the band that carried the flag that maybe if you grew up in a big town um, like Austin or Houston, because I grew up in a small town in Sealy, uh, you might have heard of them or really kind of known them because they were at that point kind of a cool indie band. Uh, the guy who carries the flag and... and, and, and uh, and sings really angry, you know, because that'd be Sunday, Bloody Sunday. You might have known them for something like that, or, you know, the, the civil rights guy, because they had just released Unforgettable Fire. And so maybe you realize that pride in the name of love had to do with Martin Luther King. Maybe not, because it's hard to believe, but remember, there was this day before the Internet, um, and you couldn't just sort of look up a song and say, like, what is, what is 40 all about? Um, you know, the last song in the war album. Uh, and unless you knew that it was actually Psalm 40, you would sit there in your room and play it again and again and again and try to figure out what in the world is this word. And you try to figure out, is it 40 seconds long? No. Is it, you know, not that this is me or anything. This isn't <laughs> Obviously it is. Um, you just didn't know. You had to sort of sit there and wonder. And it was hot on people's minds when they released the Joshua Tree because due 2 was just coming on the scene and this was a huge bomb massive commercial success put them on the map became one of the biggest bands in the world made Time Magazine I think that's what they called them the biggest band in the world um, they just come out of Live Aid remember Bob Geldorf all the social consciousness contrasted to Bananarama and so you had all this sort of going on and then here they come and they're singing about things that you don't know have you don't know what they're singing about. It sounds like it should be Robert Palmer addicted to love, but it's not. You know, you were like, what's going on? What what's who's who's he singing about? Who's the she? Surely this is only that, but it just doesn't fit the grid. And you didn't have any way of of uh, of knowing unless you bought a magazine, which maybe came out three months later, and somebody wrote a column that might have said something about an interview where he made a reference, but they were veiled. And so one of the big questions back then was, are they a Christian band? Are they Christian? Are they religious? 
is they are they are they hypocrites? Um, and uh, and especially when I still haven't found what I'm looking for, because you would think, well, if he knows Jesus, then he then obviously he shouldn't have any questions, right? You know, who's what's this? I haven't found what I'm looking for. And so all these things were hot and heavy in the minds of a lot of us who started to be taken by um, by you too. And then remarkably, because at that point they've been around for probably 12 years together. Um, I think they're about. 10 years older than I am, so they're 56 now. They're old men. They started in, a, in high school. They were a high school band. Larry, the, the drummer, um, put a notice. Remember, no internet, so he just put something on the bulletin board and says, I want to start a band. Any takers? Uh, he was a year younger than Adam, uh, Bono, and Edge. And, uh, and the four of them, who all went to the same high school, didn't really know each other. They started practicing in Larry's kitchen because he was the one with the drums, and so he's the one who couldn't move. And he would sit in outside, and the door would open because the drums wouldn't fit inside the kitchen. And then, if you know them, I didn't mean to go this far. We need to get off this. This is just kind of fun trivia for you, too. Since the very beginning, they've always stood in the same places. How many of y'all seen them? I don't even should say what's up. Um, you know, it's always Bono in the front, and then if you're looking at them, so what is that stage right? That's Edge, is the guitar player, and over here is Adam, the bassist, and then the back is Larry. Why have they always done that? Because that's how they fit in the kitchen. That's the only way they fit when they were 15. They started when they were 15 years old, and 14, I think, maybe 15, 16, when uh, Larry was 15 the others were 16. That's the way they fit, and they've always known each other that way. Uh, they played a few things, went through a couple of names, went through Boy, and uh, uh, made it through war, started to get on the, 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 the map a little bit with war. Pretty big. Live Aid, Bob Geldorf got their, uh, got their attention when they had Unforgettable Fire. And then, 1987, this comes out. Um, so we're going to look at three, um, three songs, the big three, With or Without You, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For, and, uh, and Where the Streets Have No Name. I threw on their exit, too. We won't have time, but it's a great song. Um, uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, let me say this, then I'll get any questions, get some feedback, see what y'all want to know, because it's a small class, and then we'll uh, we'll look at some songs, just kind of interact with them. It's going to be kind of fun, I hope. Even the word Joshua Tree. Do I know what that means? What the Joshua Tree is? Maybe you've been to the Joshua Tree National Park? Yep. So I've never been there, but presumably um, Mormon settlers uh, named it the Joshua Tree because it looks like I think it's in Joshua 8 when there's a, a verse about Joshua raising his hands in prayer. So it looks like that. But as always with you too, and you really can say as always with you too. I mean, there's no, I can't think of an exception. Maybe the sweetest thing. Um, uh, there's always more than meets the eye. He's writing at one, two, if not three levels. Triple entendre. That'd be Bono, who does most of their writing. Uh, even the name of the album, a lot of people would know what Joshua, the character Joshua, Yeshua, um, Ye, the Lord, Shua, out of salvation, the Lord saves, the Lord is my salvation. And then a lot of people would know that Joshua, then as you take it from Hebrew and run it through Greek, uh, run it through Latin and then into the Greek and then into the English, Joshua becomes Jesus. So here we have an album that suddenly gets contrasted to La Bamba by Los Lobos, which is the tree of salvation, the Jesus tree, the Joshua tree. And so immediately, 
we're starting to, if you had ears to hear, which I didn't when I was 15 when it came out. But something's going on. And all this is true. When they got sort of pulled in in the October, they were uh, into this Christian fellowship and almost broke them up um, when they were 17, 18, with that question, can we do this, follow sort of artistic impulse to be creative, to, to, to write music that's not trying to go on the CCM charts? Because CCM, Contemporary Christian Music, was just coming out, and they made this... Uh, this huge question in something like a fundamental slash charismatic um, sect in, a, in Ireland. Can we, can we do this and still be believers? Can we still read the Bible and be thoughtful and intentional, but do this? And that was a major question for them. And that was kind of what took them into the weird sort of unforgettable fire phase. If, you're fi- if you know their canon and all that stuff, because some people just weigh into them like I am, and you can actually see their progression. Uh, they kind of settled and said, let's write music. And they got into the United States, went over here for the first time. Bono's a huge reader. Uh, and he started reading Flannery O'Connor and Norman Mailer. He started listening to the, the blues, B.B. King, um, people I don't even have any idea about. And they started to really get into the roots of music, a lot of gospel music, which is what really shows up as a heavy influence on the Joshua tree, the tree of salvation. And so here comes with or without. And I'll stop there. Any thoughts? Any feedback? There's a rush. I never know what I'm going to say when I start talking about them. Um, but any, any feedback? Let me know how you're... So how old was the band when the Joshua Tree came um, They'd been around probably for, if that was 87, 78, I think, was when they started to get together, 77, 78. Boy came out in 79. So they'd been around for about 10, 12 years. Had started to play the equivalent of... Uh, Probably like the Alabama Theater, the Lyric, that kind of stuff. Maybe not quite filling up like a concert hall until the Joshua. No, they, they would have when they started playing um, Unforgettable Fire. That would have been war. But then once uh, the Joshua Tree hit, they went nuts. They had this pivotal moment. If you watched Live Aid, y'all remember that? First big thing like that. And they played this song bad. Um, they're good. On albums, man, they are inc- they are a live band, and they know it, and that's when they find their voice. And they uh, uh, they played um, what is one of their anthems, still a song called "Bad" about a friend of theirs that that uh, that, that was in a heroin overdose. But again, it's always triple entendre, and it just uh, it just took off. They went off script, um, and uh, it kind of found his mark in Live Aid with "Bad," which launched the uh, uh, the path into the Joshua Tree. So with all that, um, any other feedback before we listen to With or Without You? We're going to look at the video that was the first first single. What's that? Isn't Adam not a believer? Nope. He once wasn't, but now is. Um, Adam's the one I would most want to have dinner with in case anybody has a connection. So he's kind of become my favorite for some reason. He uh, he was the one who was... That's right, at the beginning. But then he missed a show. A big one in Australia. Carolyn knows um, because he was drunk. He's the one who flirted the most with the rock and roll lifestyle, sex, drugs, rock and roll, and all that stuff. And he uh, he missed it. I don't remember who they got to play bass, but he just flat out missed it. And these guys have been, you know, remarkably off camera, even in the age of the internet, for uh, for scandals and all that stuff. Uh, mates, as they would call themselves, they split it. Four ways, even even though Bono, Edge, I mean, you got a pecking order in terms of crowd recognition and, and 
and who should get more, but Bono as the writer doesn't get you know 50% and the others have to split it by third or something like that. It's just 25% each. They're all in in the creative process, and he, uh, he betrayed them. They had a come-to-Jesus moment. He went into rehab, did some other things, um, settled down, and, uh, and, uh, and, and is off. they're all four now professing Christians. They keep it low, but Bono not so much anymore. Um, but uh, but they're, it's, it's plain. I'm two degrees from, I think, all of them by somebody. And so by, by good authority... <laughs> They they show up at church just as a regular bloke when they're uh, when they're not touring and all that stuff and and they kind of live in neighborhoods and they uh, they kind of have this speech at the beginning of a school year and says yep, ask me any questions now I'll sign anything you want totally open but then after this then I'm just so and so's dad um, that kind of stuff so just kind of interesting so yeah. Yeah. I mean, Joshua yeah. Out. I always remember being very angry. Yeah. Yeah. That this band that I loved that was ours yeah. was then now yeah. on the front cover of Rolling Yep. 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 Stadiums. It was almost. An I was cool when they were cool. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Another mainstream, and and, uh, and they struggle with that too. They're like, who are we? I mean, are we this stadium thing? That's a big leap to go from the lyric to you know selling out um, Wembley Stadium, which they did. Uh, the, the, the music had to change, how they interact with the crowd had to change, which was such a big deal for them. Um, but they stayed together. So let's jump into this, and we'll get a little bit of the music. Um, so with or without you, at one level, of course, um, it's uh, y- you'll read that it's a song when he met his wife, Allie, again in high school, same woman, been married to all these years. Uh, it's a song about her. And having to figure out, you know, what am I going to do? Am I going to commit to her and necessarily say no to all these other people and things, opportunities? And so with or without you, I can't live with you, Allie, and I can't live with, you know, the old cliche. Women, you know, you can't live with them, can't live without them, you know, that's what, maybe, you know, but then you listen to it. And it just doesn't fit the grid. I mean, it's the wailing that you're going to hear, which is totally a little autobiography. This is what pulled me in. I remember walking. I'd heard the song several times because it was just on the radio. Some of y'all remember that. For some reason, you know, this is back when MTV played music videos, and they were really making their mark and really helping artists. Uh, I'd seen the video, I don't know, 20 times. Uh, and then there was a moment where I walked through my living room. I remember it today. This is always where I get a little bit embarrassed. But this is what C.S. Lewis called joy. I was surprised by joy, which is what Lewis's autobiography is called. And I had this moment where I walked through, and it's going to be the part where Edge is going to be doing his weird thing with the guitar, and Bono is just kind of wailing in the background with that falsetto. And I went in. And at that moment, there was a moment in time where time was no longer a moment. And it just kind of got lost. And I remember actually staring at the TV. I mean, I'm going to get a little bit teary. uh, Because it was that, that separation. I feel it in church every so often. You know, when you... When there's this place where time stops and you enter into a timeless immediacy with what's going on in front of you, where there's more questions and answers, and yet you know you're near. And there was that power of music, which started for me in this particular song. I had no idea what they were singing about. I still don't know, because I never come out and said, this is what it means. He's a poet in that sense. Um, And with or without you, which we're about to watch, 
is one of the most enigmatic songs. He wrote it when he was 26, 27 years old, so he doesn't really know what he's doing. But I think it has something to do with this. Um, uh, a lament. A psalm is a lament. And a psalm is always about honesty. And a lament calls a thing what it is. Uh, I, think, I think they're Lutherans, actually, in their soteriology. When they think about how Christ saves them while they are yet sinners... Um, and, they, and, and Christ enters their life and does something powerful and substantial and real, and yet at the same time, they continue to live in a world where obituaries are written. In other words, where there's death, and there's the flesh, and there's loss, and there's pain, and there's suffering, and there's privation. That's their world, and I resonate with that world so completely as a person, as a theologian, as a pastor, as a father, as a husband, this, who am I? You know, the thing I want to do, I don't. The thing I don't want to do, I do. Romans 7, that's their world. And that's the world of a psalmist when he writes something like, um, where can I go from you, God? I can't stand you. You're on my back all the time. Your law is too much for me, and I can't live with you. And yet... I can't live without you, for you are my fortress, my rock, my strength. I can't abide the God of, say, Genesis 22, that says, Take your son, Abram, your son, your only son. Take Isaac and take him up the mountain. Now, we know the rest of the story. We're like, that's just talking about Jesus Christ, and he's going to provide the ram. You're going to be good. You're in that moment. You can't cuddle with a God like that. You can't sort of say, oh, come into my heart. You know, 32 Jacob crossing the, the Jabbok, um, Genesis 32, uh, wrestling all night long. We know that, of course, dawn comes and says, bless me, and I'll give you a new name and all that sort of stuff. He doesn't know that. He thinks he's, he's wrestling this dark figure, this it, this, this God who has no name. Um, Jonah in the belly of the whale for three days. Can't live with a God like that. And we have to reckon with that. We have to reckon with God and his absolute self. It's again a Luther phrase. God in his absolute, Deus absolutus. Uh, and, and he is a constant problem to us. That God is a problem to the sinning human because a sinning human cannot abide deity like that. It just can't happen. And so where do we go from that God? We go to the God who has made himself known. Jesus Christ, the only God whom no one has ever seen, Jesus has made him known. John would say in his prologue. Um, Paul would echo that and say, Jesus Christ and him crucified, where it's now like a Joshua tree being scratched up in a desert where it looks like there should be no life. How in the world does anything that big live in a place like this? How in the world could that tree of salvation, which looks so ugly, bring something so, such a beauty? Um, that's the with or without you. Where do we go from a God in his absolute sense, who is unpreached, we go to God who is preached. We go to God who is known on the cross, the tree of salvation. And that's the, I can't live with you, but I can't live without you. My heart is restless until it rests in thee. But remember, I woke up this morning and I read another obituary. And I can't live with a God that would let death continue to reign, even as I completely believe that death has met its death in the death of Christ. And he's going to say that in Where the Streets Have No Name, the same thing. So that's the, the tension between these, this, where do I go from God? I have no place else to go except God. And now he wails. 
It's the only response to something like that. Um, so let's look at that. We'll interact with it, and that's just a way to set it up. There's lots more, obviously, but I want to look at a couple of songs. So this is 1987. <laughs> um, uh, that's right, before he had his weird things. And so you just saw Aha, Take On Me, and then this shows up. Um, and it's something a little bit different. And Edge did not have his best look with the derby, but that's okay. Um, I think he's bald. <laughs>
So it starts slow, builds up to this whale, which I think is where you either get on their wagon or you get off. You think, hey, they're way, taking themselves way too seriously, that, that primal sort of guttural, you know, pull back and scream. Or it's someone who's giving expression to not how we live all the time. That's not our 24-7 existence, I hope. But at times, just where a, a whale is about all that's left. The only prayer that we have to utter is something like that scream. And that's a lament because it's raw and it's honest and it's something that points to something else that's even beyond words in a direct and unmediated relationship between the God that we can't live with who has lowered himself and made him something that we can. And I think that's something like With or Without You. I really do. Um, which incidentally, I think, is a song... Uh, with, as I mentioned earlier, they're a live band and not so much their studio stuff. This is a song which, for me personally, I don't think it's ever found the legs live that it does in the in their studio. Almost, I can't think of another song that I like better in studio than live, but with or without you. So anyway, any thoughts with that? It's the tone of um, Edge's guitar studio. is like, it's, it's un- you can't recreate it. I agree. It's so so to get a little bit technical, which is Akron here, you know, he builds up, and then it's just this real reserved play off of a D chord. It's a real simple ending there at the end. That and it's like, now it's just, I'm exhausted. This had to be Jacob at the end of the night, just utterly spent and yet held. And now it's like, and there's just nothing left. And that's how the song sort of, Goes really so. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. I love that you contrasted, you know, this moment in time musically with what else was on the billboards. Because I remember being a little girl in my dad's car and hearing "Walk Like an Egyptian" mm-hmm. and all those songs. And then, I mean, it's true. Like this really does sort of grab your your gut, yeah. you know, and say, "Wait a second, something cool's going on yeah. over here." And there were, I mean, who was it? Diesel and Dust. You know, they had something, was that right, the Australian band? They had something going on. Simple Minds had something going on like this, maybe. Um, Bruce Springsteen. So there were some others. I don't want to say they were the only ones, but they stood in stark contrast. In the 80s, I think, was kind of a rich time anyway. I'm grateful for being here. What's that? Oh, uh, yeah. Gil, what do you make of the... Um, the use of both pronouns, both gender pronouns, yep, yep. because I don't, I haven't done the kind of research you have, but I've sort of made up my mind that it's that layered thing, and it's also that I think Bono likes to use feminine pronouns for God. I agree, yep. So you can think he's singing about Allie making right. him wait on a bed of nails, or he's talking about our Lord. It's just, it's a a feminine part, yep. I think he's enough, the way I resonate with it, and I'm absolutely seeing what I want to see here, but I think he's astute enough as a theologian, because if you read some of his stuff, I remember talking to you after his book called Bono in Conversation came out with this atheistic, um, maybe agnostic French journalist, um, where it was kind of his coming out party, and he's very explicit in his Christian faith. Obvious, I mean, he's talking about who he's read, etc., and so forth. So he knows about the theories, the the doctrine of the Trinity. I think when he talks about she, especially like she moves in mysterious ways, she's often with, 
Yep. Um, that's the Holy Spirit. I think he's being, the Bible speaks about the Spirit sometimes, not predominantly, but sometimes in a feminine um, voice. Uh, or the church. Um, the church is usually personified as a, as a she, the bride of Christ. I think most of the time it's not the church. It's more of, a, of the Holy Spirit. That divine, the nurturing, the, uh, the interdependent, um, rather than independent, because that goes back to Adam and Eve, that aspect of God. Um, where there's a union because it's the Holy Spirit that unites us to Christ. Um, and so it's that that sense of the she. I think that is how it is. She makes me wait, the Holy Spirit making me wait in this already but not yet experience. So I'm going to move quickly. We're not going to listen to... Um, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Uh, but that was the one that was... Everybody said, aha, you see? How could he have questions if Jesus is the answer? Um, you know, just to read it quickly, uh, looking at great, I mean, a statement of faith. I believe in the kingdom come. Pray that every week in the the uh, uh, Lord's Prayer, obviously. Then all the colors will bleed into one, um, bleed into one. But yes, I'm still running. So there's the already, the not yet, the restlessness until I find my rest in you. You broke the bonds. You loosed the chains, carried the cross of my shame. Oh, my shame can't even utter the word without having that that um, uh, just spontaneous uh, eruption of, oh, my shame. Uh, you know, I believe it. I mean, that is a strong word um, that pulls in redemption, what you would call substitutionary atonement, that what was mine you took and what was yours I received. Oh, my shame. You know, I believe it. I believe, credo. Um, so he's right here singing this gospel song. And if you go on YouTube, and it was the one we're going to look at, um, they do this version with the Harlem Choir. It's in Rattle and Hum, uh, where it lifts it and it places it as a hymn into a church. Um, it'll be interesting to see on their tour. I didn't even say all that. That's why we're doing this class, is that 30 years, they're going on this mini tour, 25 dates or something like that, uh, and big question is, are they going to play the album straight through? Uh, are they going to sort of break it up in the midst of, you know, play all 10 or 11 songs in the midst of some others? Um, but it'll be interesting to see what they do with this song in particular. They're going to, I think this is one they're going to play with and maybe sort of play up a little bit. That's just my guess. I don't know why I say that. But. And then Exit, another song that's on there. Um, one of my personal favorites that I'm looking forward to. We're going to end on their high note, Where the Streets Have No Name. But exit in that Romans 7, um, what I want to do, I don't do, and what I don't want to do, I keep doing. Bono wanted to really sort of play that up. And so he wrote a really dark song called Exit, which is probably why I'm drawn to it. He was reading the Southern authors like Flannery O'Connor. You know, great line that I always think of Flannery O'Connor when somebody asked her, how come your characters are so grotesque? They're just ugly and vile sinners. I mean, they're just... They're just mean, or they're stupid, they're idiots, or they're, uh, they're, um, they're murderers and they're thieves. And how can you say you're a Christian writer? And in typical Flannery O'Connor way, she said, Well, to the deaf you scream, and to those that can't see well you write in large capital letters. So she wanted to make these characters just like a, the, 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 the door-to-door Bible salesman who dupes an amputee teenage girl to coming out into the woods to climb up into a haystack with her because she thinks she's going to love him and then he steals her leg and leaves her. 
That's Flannery's story. You know, that is a story of grace. How? You know, not going to tell you, but but that's the character. And so he climbed into the uh, to the mind of a, uh, as he said on tour back then, of a religious man who became a very dangerous man, a preacher who um, uh, had a psychotic break and he killed somebody. And this is the descent into that hell. Um, and then he ends it, I think, very, again, rattling home. You can go watch it with a repetition of Van Morrison's Gloria, G-L-O-R-I-A, Gloria, when he plays that. He likes to do that sort of stuff. And I think, and again, I don't know if he really meant this. I'll guarantee him that, but I think it's there. He said, and the glory of God, God's glory in this world is known most fully in the way that he loves those who are unworthy. The glory of God is to love the unworthy. And so the preacher killer in exit is actually a great example of the glory of God. Now that is a contentious way to phrase this God that we can't live with, but we can't live without. So that's exit. And then um, we'll end on what is still there, one of the absolute high points, um, where the streets have no name. Again, first level, wrote it, and when he and his wife, then wife, still wife, Allie, Allison, uh, went to Ethiopia, like 1985, I think is the whole reason Live Aid came around, was the, the, the great famine in Ethiopia. And kind of like the Joshua tree, where it seemed like no life could grow, um, but yet the tree of salvation coming out of this, um, this, uh, this, this forgotten wasteland, he was just struck by how dry and arid and lifeless uh, Ethiopia was, except for the suffering where even the streets in these massive uh, camps, whether they were towns or cities or you know, just places where people tried to gather for, for aid, they would have these elaborate crisscross systems of roads, but they had no road signs. So nobody knew how to get around. So the streets there had no name. That's just kind of the mental image, I think. And he took that and he ran with it again with this already and not yet. I know already that I am saved and it's well and the Lord loves me, but yet not in my day-to-day life can I live with myself and my thoughts and my deeds and my attitudes and my actions, etc. and all that sort of tension. Uh, he really wanted to play that out. I want to run. I want to hide. I want to tear down these walls. He's embarrassed by that lyric now. He finds it very simple. I want to tear down these walls that hold me inside. I want to reach out and touch the flame the uh, the flame of God, um, the uh, what's the, the fire of love, um, which is an old phrase that he would have been familiar with as a as a good British Christian because that's a that's well known in that tradition. I want to touch that flame um, where the streets have no name, and I can't hear this song now. Of course, partly because of where I am theologically and scripturally, but I think he's in a real similar place through something like a law gospel paradigm. Um, the law, which is a word of God given to crush us, uh, where the word law actually means nomos, or what it is, is nomos in Greek, N-O-M-O-S, N-O-M-O-S, where we get the word like denomination. We name things, we denominate things. Episcopalian, Presbyterian, Baptist, we have to name all these subcategories. Well, that's the law. All these boundaries, all these strictures, all these places, do this, don't do that. Helpful? Maybe. Um, does it sort of incense my uh, broken, fallen heart to do the very thing which I'm commanded not to do? All too often, yes. Heaven, where all the colors will one day bleed into one, uh, will be the place where the streets, paved with gold, 
will have no names. There'll be no denominations. There'll be no breakdowns of do this, don't do that. You're a high earner, you're middle income, you're low, low class, you're male, you're female, you're Jew, you're Greek, um, you're in, you're out. There'll be no streets to divide us in that way. This is a song that soars as a picture of heaven. Uh, Romans 10.4. Great, great, great line out of Romans. For Christ is the end of the law of right, for righteousness to all who believe. He might have had that actually in mind, because he's definitely a Bible reader uh, when he wrote something like this. So, context for this. I wish their DVD in 2001, that tour, happened right before 9-11, the Boston show, which we're going to look at. Um, I think it was like June or July 2011. They were on tour. I saw them once before, once after 9-11. And this song took a whole different shape post 9-11. We're not going to see it because unfortunately it was filmed before, um, but we'll get a taste of it. Uh, it. It is a moment that fills the room uh, when they play this live. This is, this is a good song on the album. It is a phenomenal song when they play it live. Um, if you remember the Super Bowl in 2002, they played um, Beautiful Day, and then they went to MLK, which is a benediction. It was about Martin Luther King, obviously. Sleep, sleep tonight, and may your dreams be realized. And the thundercloud, which passes rain, um, let it rain, let it rain on heat. And so all the, it's a song, benediction for those who have died. And now, you know, the screen was going up at the Super Bowl, and all the names, thousands and thousands and thousands of names, you know, Overly dramatic, maybe, but it, it was a healing moment. I was a youth minister then. I remember watching it in somebody's house with a, 40 teenagers. The room was quiet. It's hard to get people to be quiet when you're 40 teenagers. But post 9-11, this was a song that spoke. Um, still speaks. And so we're going to watch it. Um, going to pick it up at the end of a song called Bad, which I mentioned earlier. It's one of my still my favorites. Um, where he's saying, I'm wide awake, I'm wide awake, I'm wide awake, I'm not sleeping. I think one of the levels of entendre there is a statement of faith coming out of uh, Paul. Um, Arise, O sleeper, and awake. I think he's playing on that. I am awake. I'm awake. I believe. You know I believe it. And then he goes into his line from 40, Psalm 40. Um, how long, how long, how long, how long do we have to sing this song? This song of it's coming but it's not here yet. That's the lament of those of us who are stuck here in the flesh, waiting with eager anticipation for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. Um, and then he launches with the great organ intro into, uh, into the place where the streets have no name, where now Christ will be so present to all of us that the streets will have no name. So all that's at play, and I think that's its drama. So we'll end on this. It's about six minutes. If you need to leave, go ahead. But, um, well, that's your call. So. Is that too loud? He's going to say a prayer from Psalm 116 here in a minute. Um, 
How can I give back to God all the blessings He's pouring out on me? I lift high the cup of salvation, a toast to our God. Um,
Um, Madman Ninja just came in here and said, if you left your keys in the nave, Bruce Rawls has them. He's a usher at the 11, so if you're feeling around saying, oh, I don't have my keys, it'll be in there. So I'm hanging around. If you want to talk, I'm happy to talk. Happy to talk. Um, let's pray. Lord, uh, be with us now. Make these words uh, living and active and, uh, and change our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. That was good. That was great. All fun.